welcome to the Kindness Chef podcast with your host Harpal Dutt. This is a longer episode called Sitting with a Different Expert. Each time I have a longer and deeper conversation about kindness where we serve you kindness and give you recipes to nourish your mind, body and soul. Hi, welcome Dr. Rebecca Ray to the Kindness Chef podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, and um, so here at the podcast, I'm serving an A to Z of kindness recipes to nourish the mind, body and soul. And uh, B is all about boundaries, which we, we will be talking about today. And I came across your work on Instagram. You've got a really big following there. I don't know how I found you, but I'm glad I found you. And your Dr. Rebecca Ray on there, uh, author of Setting Boundaries, which I think came out this year. It did, came yeah. out just a couple of months ago. Yeah, and your other book, the beautiful title, The Art of Self-Kindness, um, just fits perfectly with this podcast as well. And you're a clinical psychologist. Um, mm -hmm. And also you have a podcast called uh, Hello, Rebecca Ray, which I've listened to some of the episodes. Um, any, anything else you'd like to say to introduce yourself? No, I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so, yeah, boundaries. I think this is um, uh, the older I get, <laughs> the more I grow, the more I realize, really, actually, it's kind of the backbone be behind everything. Um, and so, so key to our well-being. Um, how was it that you, you know, got interested in boundaries? What happened? Um, I've always been interested in boundaries. I don't think there was any specific event that happened. Um, Setting Boundaries is my fifth book. Mm -hmm. um, so I was just interested in the topics that pressed buttons the most with my audience. And boundaries was always one of those topics where my audience was seeking answers around how to strengthen their own boundaries, how to show up in their own lives in a more fulfilling and meaningful way while not getting trapped in the patterns of people pleasing and making everyone else happy before they stopped to check in with their own authentic selves. So setting boundaries was born. Yeah. And what were your other books about? I didn't know you had other books. My first book was called or is called Be Happy, 35 Powerful Methods for Personal Growth and Wellbeing. My second book is called The Universe Listens to Brave, How um, Courage Can Change Your Life. My third book is The Art of Self-Kindness, How to Be Your Own Best Friend. My fourth book is called Breakthrough, How to Overcome Self-Sabotage and Be Your Best Self. That was a an audio book that I did for Audible. And my fifth book is Setting Boundaries, as you know. Yeah. And um, you share a little bit about burnout. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people seem to be struggling with this right now because we're in a, a age of, you know, there's really no off button for some of us. Yeah. Yeah, because you know the shops are open all the time the internet is always open so people seem to struggle a lot with you know saying no as well and having space having time pausing it's absolutely yeah and um so uh 
a lot of your your you you are coming across clients and people struggling with setting boundaries. I think I find I've realized I thought I had good boundaries, <laughs> and I've actually realized that I need help myself. And um, I came yeah. from a family where I think the doors were open all the time. Mm. A culture as well where everyone is always welcome. My mother never yeah, says no. And I think. The, um, one of the things that happens with our own sense of boundaries and our own capacity to be able to say no and to be able to live life on our own terms is how we were raised by our own grown-ups um, and the culture in which we were raised. Those things will always create a cognitive map internally for us that sometimes we have to unlearn as adults because they're not all that helpful. Yeah, so I've uh, I kind of struggle a little bit between being kind and seeing that people need help. Yeah, but then also realizing sometimes actually it's not good to uh, uh, to be so kind um, without considering what are my needs as well. So it's a yeah, it's a tricky situation where you know once I kind of I felt sorry for somebody, so I invited him to come and sit at the table with me and my friends but then afterwards I realized it was a mistake yeah it can definitely be the case that um if you don't check in with your own giving tanks to begin with mm -hmm. you can start giving away your personal resources without realizing that your tanks are actually empty before you do that and I think that's one of the reasons that we have almost an epidemic of burnout at the moment is because people cross their own boundaries. And I truly believe that burnout is a sign that you haven't respected your own boundaries. Mm -hmm. Which uh, I think a lot of people can relate to. Mm. And I, I've also, I've learned a lot in this last year. I started to have therapy, I think about a year and a half ago, although mm -hmm. I'm an occupational psychologist, we're not actually encouraged to have therapy. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really value therapy before, but I think, you know, it's really made me understand a lot about myself mm. and um, what I want to share with you about boundaries. Yeah, I, I've had some intense times and situations re where I, I don't always I, I didn't understand at the time that um, I should say something. And I wanted to make sure everybody else was OK. So I didn't say something at the time. And uh, but on reflection, I think I've learned a lot about actually, you know, it's not OK and it doesn't it, it actually matters about how I feel and I shouldn't be protecting other people. I should protect myself as well as the mm. people that I love. Mm. So I'm um, learning about that for some people. I think I freeze in situations where. Um, if someone was bullying me or something stressful happening, I freeze or I want to run. And so it's difficult for me to speak. But I think the more that I've had examples recently where it's a strong crossing the boundaries, I think um, I'm a bit more stronger now and prepared to, to be like, excuse me. I mean, the one guy who was taking a photo of my legs and his wife was there and um, um, I was with my boyfriend and, uh, and the guy was trying to aggravate him and um, 
I felt sorry for the guy who's taking my photos wife so I didn't say something mm. and I kind of smiled a bit and my boyfriend thought I liked it and I didn't like him taking photo of my legs um, mm. I was wearing a dress and so this was actually and I, when I was having therapy the therapist was saying do you know sometimes you smile a li little bit when you shouldn't be smiling and so mm. I, I um, anyhow, I've, I've realized actually, you know, so what, why should I be protecting his wife? I should be protecting myself or my boyfriend. So um, nobody's perfect, but also it's about safety. I think if we don't feel comfortable, I don't feel comfortable in this person's presence now because they've been really pushing the boundaries. And mm. once they came to our house, and I've, I come from a culture where, you know, the guest is um, like God. So if somebody comes to your house, you always offer them a drink, you tell them to sit down. And mm. these people were not even invited, but somehow they could see me inside and I, they could, I couldn't not let them in. But I was like, I'm not going to invite them for a coffee. Mm. And they left after like five minutes. Um, so that's a little bit of a story where... I've made some adjustments and, you know, I'm all about kindness and offering people a drink and also, but it, we have to be safe. I don't think, I think I was too open. Also inviting people inside my house. I don't know them so well. Um, it's not a good yeah. idea. So this is what I've, this balance between kindness as well and feeling sorry for somebody or maybe they need help or, you know, I can offer them something, but I've also realized I have to be, I don't know them. So shouldn't should I this is a separate example now so I, I've, I've kind of learned uh, quite a bit about and so I'm really at a point now where I'm being very protective yeah I think it's really important to ensure that your emotional safety and your physical safety is um, intact before you um, give away your kindness you know like those lines are incredibly important and if you're not, if you're not stopping to check in with yourself about how something feels intuitively from a safety perspective, then you might find that you end up in awkward situations like that. But it sounds like you've already, you're already listening to your intuition that this, this feels wrong. And so I need to strengthen these boundaries. Yes, I think afterwards and reflecting on situations, I realized I don't feel safe in some people's mm -hmm. presence. And I don't want I have to protect myself yeah absolutely so I'm not going to contact them again and they don't get the message but they've stopped yeah. coming to a house um, yeah but I, I think also sometimes it's not as simple as what you're saying because when we're not aware I, I thought I was you know I had the capacity but I wasn't so self-aware to realize how open I was or I'm giving signals to people that I don't want to be given to them so I think um it's a long process and maybe we need people to really I think I needed some not very nice situations to wake me up I do know, think some, it's some the case that situation. we often we often learn sorry I'm sitting in the dark um uh we often learn about our own boundaries by having them crossed so sometimes you don't know what your boundaries are until either you cross them and feel really uncomfortable or somebody else crosses them and you feel really uncomfortable yeah I think I'm in this place now and and also you know trying to strengthen them but I think it's a it's a lifelong project boundaries you could mm. be okay perhaps in your work 
but perhaps not in the relationship. It's it's a constant. Is it an evolving process? Absolutely. I think any personal growth um, is evolving. We, we learn about ourselves perpetually in a lifelong way, and that includes what our boundaries are, how they change, how they need to be adjusted, because boundaries aren't just a set and forget type of thing. You need to check in with them to make sure they're working and doing their job for you. And the checking in is checking in with our feelings and how this feels or how how do we check in? Yeah, checking in with your feelings. Your feelings are what will be the primary source of data that your boundaries are doing the job that they need to do for you to preserve your personal resources like your time, energy, love, attention, money, um, to make sure that you're making the decision around how you're going to live this one wild and precious life. And um, if we're checking in with our feelings, are we looking at if um, something's making us irritated, angry, sad? Yeah, so it depends whether we're, whether we're talking about an external boundary or an internal boundary. If, if you're looking at an external boundary, which is between you and someone else, another person, then you might be thinking along the lines of, um, am I irritated? Am I frustrated? Am I resentful? Am I feeling bitter? Those feelings are signs that your boundaries have been crossed. Mm-hmm. And then if you're talking about a boundary with you and yourself, that is an internal boundary, and we see these boundaries show up around habits that we're trying to cultivate and perhaps habits that we've fallen into that aren't supporting the person that we want to be, the most common feeling that you might experience is frustration with yourself that you went and crossed that boundary again. You know, you said you'd exercise three times this week and again, you've not done it. You know, you've not actually upheld that particular boundary that you want to uphold with yourself. Uh-huh. I never really thought about boundaries this way connected to the habits or so it's it's also this internal boundary of the things that we say we're going to do and what we've kind yep. of set up our expectations and then we start to fight internally with ourselves or if we, we can, don't yeah yeah this is how self-trust is built so Self-trust is basically being able to rely on the fact that you will do the things that you say you'll do. Mm-hmm. Which relates to sabotage then, I think, one of your... Exactly, exactly, yeah. When we sabotage ourselves, then quite often we're, we're crossing our own boundaries. So you, you might have boundaries around devices, you know, how, how much screen time you have. You could have boundaries around what you eat. You could have boundaries around um, uh, what you do for self-care, being able to be creative, doing things for fun, doing things for relaxation. All of those things are boundaries that we have with ourselves. And I think sometimes the word boundary kind of doesn't get a good rap, you know, it kind of (laughs) sounds like, it sounds like something you're going to get in trouble for, but Uh, all I'm talking about it um, in terms of is just think of it as a line, you know, it's a line that helps you to distribute your personal resources in a way that's consistent with how you want to live your life so that you're not giving away your choices about how you live this life to someone who's not you, which is what we do when we automatically choose um, 
the kind action or the people-pleasing action that we think is going to get approval or make someone else happy or not rock the boat or not result in conflict. Um, but at the end of the day, oftentimes that's not the thing that's consistent with how you really want to live your life. And for those listeners that that might think, well, that all sounds well and good, but how do you decide how you want to live your life? The best answer to that I can give that's quick is to think, what would your 80-year-old self say? So if you're in a situation where you're unsure about whether or not you should set that boundary, check in with what your 80-year-old self would say because she, he or they will probably have a very good idea about what fits for you from a core value perspective. So when I'm stuck around, you know, do I really want to do this thing? Um, Sometimes the answer will be, well, yes, I I need to do it because it's really important to someone I love very much. Um, And that's worth it to me, even if it will drain my energy or whatever it is. But sometimes the answer will be, no, that's the thing that's not so important. So For instance, I have a celebration of life to go to for a friend's wife who has recently passed away um, that's happening this weekend. And it will be a fair few hours out of my weekend because I'm assisting with setting up. My wife is playing the music at the celebration and there's a whole series of things that are going into our time for that. Now, despite the fact that I don't know any of his family, I only know my friend, that's absolutely worth it for me. I I want to, I know when I sit on the bed when I'm 80, if I'm lucky enough to get to that age, that my 80 year old self will look back and go, yes, that's who I want to be for him. That's who I want to be at that particular time. But there are some other things like, um, you know, perhaps I'll be asked to, this has happened to me recently, actually. Someone someone DM'd me on Instagram and said, oh, I live in the same town as you. Can I catch up with you I'd, for a coffee? I'd love to pick your brain about how to have an online business. Now, I don't, I no, just, <laughs> oh, my video just turned off okay. because I got excited. Um, but that's how strong my answer is. My answer is just no. A, I don't know you. B, I'm an introvert, so I don't give away my um, extroverted energy very easily at all. Number three, you're not paying me, and I, I very rarely do anything unless I'm being paid these days. And so the answer is no. I, I know that there is no point in time that I'm going to look back and go, oh, I should have caught up with that random person from Instagram that wanted to pick my brain. I'm sorry, but that's, I'm not available for that. And so that's a, that's a clear boundary for me. I'm not just going to randomly give you my energy because you've asked me of it. And I think this is one of the things that we need to be really careful of is that people are often boundaryless when they ask for our energy and they approach us and throw the request out there like a bit of a fishing expedition, you know, just hoping that they'll get a catch and it's up to us to say yes or no in response to what's going to fit for us. If you say yes and then you're resentful by the time the time comes around, you've crossed your own boundary. 
And I say that as someone who is, this is how I've worked out what my boundaries are. <laughs> it's because I've been a bit of an expert at crossing them previously. Um, I used to have kind of fear of missing out. And I used to say yes to almost every single opportunity that came across my desk. And I'd get to the time or I wouldn't charge enough. You know, someone would go, oh, can you speak at such and such an event? And we don't really have a budget for speakers, but it will be good exposure, you know? bullshit like and I'd say yes and I'd get to the point I'd put in all this time you know like preparing and then I would be livid by the time I got to it because it just seemed like such a waste of my energy for very little in return and I'm not saying that's anyone else's fault other than mine because we have the capacity to say no Yes. And I've just gotten excellent at being able to say no. You can ask for my time, but I promise you that if I say yes to you, then you will be getting everything that I have at that point in time. If I say no to you, then I've done you a favor because I can't actually give you what I want to be able to give you for that time or I'm not willing to. So I think it's just really important to understand that if someone's crossing your boundaries, it's because you're letting them. Like that's yes. one of the hard truths here, you know. Other people aren't going to set boundaries for you if they're benefiting from you not having boundaries, you know. Like if they're winning because they have unfiltered access to your resources, then that's your fault. It's no one else's fault. It's your fault. And that's why we need to get really good. I'm not saying you personally. I'm, yes. I'm just talking collectively. It's our fault if we don't say no in the first place. And so now I'm very, very, very tentative with my yeses. Um, I say Thank no. Thank you for so, saying yes to me. Oh, <laughs> no, you're welcome. I'm talking about setting boundaries. This is my thing. Um, if you said, if you said, can I, can you, can you talk about bipolar disorder? I would have said no. Um, but one of the things is like, when you start to say yes for things that are aligned, they're easy to do. This is not hard for me. I turn up and have a conversation about boundaries, which I love talking about. Um, and you're doing me the honor of giving me the privilege of being in front of your audience. You know, this is not hard. It was an automatic yes to that. But there are so many things for me that are automatic no's just because I know that once I get to that opportunity, I'm either going to feel resentful or annoyed or you're not going to pay me enough um, to be able to do the thing. And that's also for anyone that runs a business out there, if you're, if you're kind of thinking about pricing and what should you charge for a particular service or product that you have to be involved in, my... Um, my personal beliefs and my professional beliefs around that are now based on how much do you need to pay me so I'm not resentful when I get to the thing, you know? <laughs> so how much do I need to be paid to put a bra on, to put makeup on and to prepare for the thing that you want me to do? I need to charge enough so that I feel happy doing that and I don't feel like I've given away my energy for nothing. So it's I think it's about equipping ourselves with the permission that, Actually, for me to show you what my boundaries are, I'm giving you the biggest gift in our relationship because it's like an instruction booklet. I'm saying here, here are the instructions for how to love me and how to respect me and how to be with me. So I look at boundaries as actually a really healthy thing, not, not 
the thing that I think some people shy away from because they feel scary. And that's what I try to do in the book that I've written called Setting Boundaries, which is to frame boundaries in a way that they're going to help you live better. They're not scary. Although often one of the things that we get scared of is other people's reactions because they're the things we can't control. Yeah, I think you said so many great points there. And one of the things is about it's really valuing yourself, these examples. You know, how much do we value ourselves? We don't realize we're not valuing ourselves. Exactly. And uh, this thing about the truth and authenticity. If we're so busy all the time and distracted and saying, yes, 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 it's just like running a treadmill. Mm -hmm. and um, it's going to be hit and miss and you know we're not really showing up because it's not really possible I think to really really show up mm, with so many right. different activities and I think you know you saying it was so you've given some really good examples I think as well and you saying no to that DM I think why not you have a podcast you have also so much on your Instagram there's so much stuff that you are sharing that you know, they don't really need to pick your brains anyway, because but, but you, you put know what, stuff. Huff, yeah. Even if I wasn't sharing stuff that was helpful, mm. that person still doesn't automatically get access to me just because they've asked. Yeah. Yes, I put out so much free content. You know, there's so much access to my brain, like you're saying, that anyone can get at any time because I have these platforms available. But even if none of it existed, and that person just asked if they could pick my brain. I still have the right to say no, because it yeah. doesn't suit me. Yeah. And even if it's a family member and, you know, you can love Absolutely. them and you can say no. So Absolutely. really, really good points there. And I like what you shared about, you know, a lot of people, they try this with, you know, trying to get people for free that they can pay them. Companies yeah. making a lot of money. So that's a really good example. I hope that helps our listeners. Um, I forgot to ask you, and it's a great point now to ask you just a bit about the art of self-kindness. Um, mm -hmm. uh, just a little bit about why you wrote that book. And um, also, I'd like you to define what kindness means to you. Good question. Um, the, I wrote The Art of Self-Kindness because one of the things I found my clients really struggle with when I was in private practice was this concept of self-love. So they would often come to me feeling uh, very deeply unworthy and struggling with this idea that they could be enough. And I got really frustrated with Instagram and Facebook and these, you know, you can just scroll through motivational pages and see quotes like, just love yourself. And I just, oh, it drives me insane because the leap to go from feeling unworthy to loving yourself can just feel so overwhelming for people. And so I wanted to bridge that gap by showing people that what, what they could do instead is, you know, there's parts of you that you might be healing or improving or forgiving or just kind of accepting for being imperfect. And you may not ever love those parts, but you can be kind to yourself. So I wanted to kind of shift it from like a noun state to a verb where people could take actions and be friendly towards themselves rather than having to get to this position where they actually fell in love with themselves. So that was the premise behind the art of self-kindness self was actually allowing readers to be able to approach their relationship with themselves in a more friendly way. 
And in terms of what kindness means to, to me, I think kindness is, well, I'll give you two different definitions, one for self-kindness and one for kindness. Kindness, when we're talking about relationships, you know, between us and another, whoever that person will be. For me, that is at the very heart of humanity, that I am not the only person that exists in the world. And I have privilege and access to resources that other people don't. And kindness for me is how can I share of myself in such a way that it just might make someone else's experience of life in that particular moment easier. Self-kindness is how can I make my own experience of life in this moment a little bit easier. Yeah, I think um, the points I resonate here with is I was practicing affirmations maybe a couple of years ago. In the beginning, I didn't believe in affirmations. And then I was practicing some of Louise Hay's affirmations about loving myself. I thought I loved myself mm-hmm. and I thought I was kind to myself. And I think through the therapy, I realized, you know, I have shame and mm. I um, was in denial for a long time and so I can see that if we just practice affirmations and this loving it doesn't fully work because there's a big there's a mind the gap there's a massive we're pretending I think because I look in the mirror and I say you know I love myself and but then I'm not doing that in my actions with how I'm treating myself I'm neglecting myself which I learned through therapy um uh yeah so I think that it's uh it's actually there's something missing you know where we really have to have a look at ourselves I think to for the for then these affirmations or you know I like also what you said about we don't have to love all the parts of us but we can be kind to them I've never heard that before we can and we can accept them you can love you can accept yourself without having to love yourself. And I do think that what affirmations do is they kind of wallpaper over the experience of life, which is sometimes really tough. And that's why you'll never pick up a book of mine and see that I suggest affirmations or stand in front of the mirror and say, I love yourself. I love myself. It just, I've always found that those techniques feel very artificial to me. And if I can't use them, I can't sell to you that you should use them. Um, And so I use different techniques, which is more about developing your relationship with yourself as you would a friend. Because most people have had a friend in their life and can imagine what they would say to that friend, which then gives them a starting point for how they might speak to themselves. But I do think it's very much worth Listeners understanding that as human beings, all of us struggle with the idea of feeling worthy and feeling enough. And that's at a very DNA level. We are wired to constantly strive to measure up with other members of the clan. Because once upon a time, a hundred thousand years ago, when we were roaming the Savannah in clans, if you didn't measure up, If you weren't doing what you needed to do to belong to your people, then you ran the risk of either being killed by them because you were a threat or being kicked out of the clan, in which case your death was almost certain anyway. 
by belonging to the clan, you then had access to essential, like critical resources for your own survival, like food, water, shelter, information, protection, and the chance to reproduce. So because of that um, kind of wiring in our brains, over thousands of years, we don't get to a point where we just wake up and feel worthy. And that's why I feel like this kind of movement to love yourself like it's a destination that you can arrive at and never shift from it doesn't wash with me I'd rather I'd much rather you understand how we're wired as humans and that we all struggle to feel worthy and enough at times and to understand why that is but then to change how you relate to yourself as a friend very useful examples there um if uh, we were, I'd like you to create a recipe now for boundaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have a title, a name for a recipe? Yes. So the recipe would be called limits using the acronym, that. using the acronym limits, L-I-M-I-T-S. L is for leader, your inner leader specifically. So in the book, Setting Boundaries, I talk about activating your inner authority. This is being able to harness the part of you that is your conscious, authentic self, not the unconscious parts of you that are wounded and resentful and hurt, um, you know, because we all have those unconscious parts of us um, that we carry that can influence our behavior. The first thing you need to do to set a boundary is to activate your inner leader, to stop and go, okay, if I'm being my conscious, authentic self, what needs to be done here? I need to come from the perspective that I am consciously choosing this. I is for identify what the boundary is. So identify what the boundary's job is. Is the job to protect your resources in some way? Is it to protect your safety in some way? Is it to make it clear that someone is unwelcome? Or is it to make it clear that you're unavailable or you're kind of walling off access to your resources? Now, obviously, you can get a lot more specific. I'm being general here, but you need to work out like in your situation where someone was taking a photo of your legs, that's a very clear boundary, physical boundary violation. So the job of the boundary is to protect you. The next um, uh, part of the recipe is M, which is make the boundary known. So you need to be able to communicate the boundary. Now, this is where a lot of people struggle. They're like, oh, I do. I know what my boundaries are, but they don't work. And my question to that is always, well, did you let the other person know that there was a boundary there? Because boundaries don't work unless you tell someone that they're there, right? I mean, there are some boundaries that should always be respected, like you don't go and randomly take pictures of people's legs without their consent. Um, but for other boundaries that might not be as clear, um, for instance, uh, <laughs> I used to, my mum, when I moved out of clinical practice, my mum didn't quite understand what I do for a job. So I had to explain to her that sometimes I'm in a meeting and yes, I'm at home, but just because I'm at home doesn't mean that I can just come to you because you're up like they have they live two hours away but they also have a unit close by that they visit for holidays every couple of weeks or so 
And I had to kind of train mum and say, just because I'm now working from home doesn't mean you can ring me and say, do you want to come over? Because I've got stuff to do, you know? Now, it's not her fault. She just didn't understand what my job looked like. She thought that because I was home, I was just free when she wanted me to be free. So sometimes this is about making the boundary very clear. So first, activate your inner leader. I is identify the boundary. M is make the boundary known. We're back at I again in this limits formula. I is introduce consequences. So if someone goes and crosses your boundaries, the next thing you need to do is to introduce consequences. And sometimes those consequences might not be communicated. They might just be in your head for next time. So for example, if that person came into your space again, yeah, makes you feel gross just thinking about it. But let's say that you had to share social space with that person again. You might have in your mind that as soon as you see him pick up his phone and direct it in your particular kind of line of sight, that you move immediately away from that social situation. Um, or you might call him out or you might tell his wife, but in the back of your head, you have the consequences known. Now, sometimes you can actually say these out loud, um, depending on what the boundary is, depending on your relationship with the person. You know, if someone trusts you and you have a good relationship with them, then usually they're going to want to know about your boundaries. And, and as long as you communicate them as calmly as possible, generally most people are like, thank you for letting me know so that I can respect those later. The next thing is to uh, is T, which is take a stand. So the boundary is crossed now. You've identified the, the consequences. The boundary gets crossed, crossed. The next thing you have to do is do something about it. So boundaries also don't work if you don't follow through. Um, I learn this all the time with my three and a half year old toddler. If you say that, you know, the TV is going off unless you pick up your toys and you don't turn the TV off, that's not a boundary. The boundary doesn't exist. So you need to really make sure that you follow through on those consequences if the boundary is crossed by taking a stand. And then S on the end of limits is status check. Now, like I said a bit earlier on in our conversation, unfortunately, I wish it was much easier, but it's not. Boundaries are not just set and forget. So you can't just set the boundary once and hope that forever after that, that boundary will be respected. Sometimes you've got to check in to make sure that people are respecting it. And other times you might find that you evolve um, and the boundary is no longer necessary. Um, so for instance, we have a boundary for Bennett, our son, um, that he doesn't have to have physical contact with anyone he doesn't want to. That includes um, grandparents. So the people, people closest to us in his life. Now, <laughs> again, back to my parents. Um, when he was first growing up, my mum would say things like she, I remember her saying to me when I was a kid, so unhealthy, but she would say, oh, aren't you going to give nanny a cuddle? That'll make nanny sad. And I would immediately jump in and defend his boundary and say, no, nanny's feelings are nanny's responsibility. You don't have to um, give nanny a cuddle to make her happy. You can give high fives. You don't have to even give high fives. You can say bye-bye from the other side of the room if you want to. Now, at some point, he's going to age up 
and he'll no longer need us to have that boundary for him. So he'll be, he'll age out of that. That status, we will no longer be status checking that for him. He'll be able to set those boundaries for himself. I used to have boundaries with clinical practice that I no longer have to have because I don't do that kind of work. So I don't need to protect myself quite as much. Status checking is essential because what it does is it kind of honors your own growth, but it also honors how relationships grow with us as well to make sure that you're being respected. Now, I don't know if you're the same as me, but as I age, my boundaries get tighter and tighter and I get better and better at communicating them because basically you just learn how short life is. And I don't have time to mess around. Like I don't have time to waste my energy. So it's quicker for me to tell you what my boundaries are than to stuff around and hope that you kind of just get the picture, you know? So that's the whole recipe. So activate just, your inner. Uh, sorry, I was just, just, I was the just last, going to summarize. Oh, yes, do that, please. Summarize. If I was to summarize the recipe, it's limits. Set a boundary using the acronym LIMITS. L is for activating your inner leader. So you come from your conscious, authentic self. I is for identify the boundary. Make sure that you know what job the boundary is going to do. M is to make the boundary known. Communicate it with the people that need to know about it. I is for introduce consequences. So know what the consequences are going to be. T is for taking a stand if the boundary is crossed. So actually make sure those consequences are in place. And then S is for status check to make sure that the boundaries are being respected in the long term. That's so clear. And I think, you know, I'll add that in the description notes. I was going to ask you about the last one, but you've told me. So sorry to interrupt yeah. you there. No worries. I think that that is a really powerful recipe because, you know, you have, um, and, you know, this is, I would say you are more of an expert than most people in this field here. That That is what you know, experts do simplify so much into limits. Yeah. yeah. And um, because a lot of what I've seen is this thing about, you know, yes and no and boundaries, but you've gone, you've gone pretty deep there, I think, with, with the process. And that's sometimes what we need help with. And mm -hmm. it's not easy, but I'd say with practice, the more we learn, the more we practice, the easier it becomes. And I agree that as I've got older, I can see some of the nonsense of um, some behaviors, which yeah. um, I've spoken to my mother about, about certain people. And I said, I'm not going to, it's almost like I'm invisible. I said, I'm just, uh, do you not see this? I say to my mother, um, but yeah. I'm not going to carry on with this like behavior. Um, so I think the more we grow, some of us, the more we can reflect. And yeah, I yeah. think as we get age and get older, people have less time for nonsense. That's right. And it's also, as we kind of talk about our mothers and they're not so good <laughs> points, I think it's really important to kind of identify the fact that we can change what we're aware of when it no longer works. And generationally, our parents acted differently because their time was different 
women that have come before us haven't had the same freedoms that we have today. They haven't been able to say no the way we are able to say no. They haven't had the permission to show up authentically and speak their voice aloud without some kind of pay or pushback for that. I'm going to... So- I'm going to get my mom to listen to this episode because <laughs> you well, said you've said really really key point there because I've I've had some conversations with an auntie about when I was younger and she said to me you know those times were really different they the women were. they didn't have a choice sorry to interrupt you there but it's really actually very important she, because she she said you know because I was talking to an auntie about something that happened when I was younger and I was like, how could my mother do that? And she's like, actually, you know what? She, nobody was listening to her and she mm-hmm. had no choice. Yeah. So you make that this is a, it's a very, very, we forget. I mean, this was now I'm thinking 30, 40 years ago. It's, she's yeah. saying it's very, very different. Sometimes we need to hear somebody say that, you know? Absolutely. And I think we need to recognize that most people, including the people that love us most, like our mums, are doing the best that they can with what they have available at the time. And even though I'm a clinical psychologist, I can tell you that my parents do not have the emotional awareness, not even a fraction (laughs) of the emotional awareness that I have. And so we must have expectations that are appropriate to that. You know, my mum read Setting Boundaries recently just because she's a nice mum and was interested in what I wrote. And she sent me a text message and said, what does optimism mean? And I was like, what? What do you mean? What do you mean you don't know what optimism means? And she goes, isn't that just being happy? And I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. But it's a perfect example of how when we have awareness, because we've had tertiary training or we've had, we've grown up in a different um, generation, which has been far more available emotionally. And we're almost talking a different language to our elders. And that's not their fault. It's just that they never had access to this information that we take for granted today. And so as much as I can make jokes about my mom and where I have to set boundaries with her on behalf of my own son, I also am the first to acknowledge that, you know, all the times where I might have said she was ineffective or my dad was ineffective, it's because they didn't have the skills to do better. Now you and I have the skills to do better. We do better. But it also means that we need to be gentle on those that don't know better. Yeah, great points. And I've, I've learned a lot as well about uh, emotional regulation. I didn't have yes. that. Yeah. And the consequences of how I, I, I'm an avoider. I didn't know this until recently. So I avoid feeling. Um, and so it's really important that we teach young children um, yeah. about what are their own feelings and emotions and not to get stuck with adults emotions and feelings and making them feel good like they're a cuddly bear like exactly and um and and I you know what I try to do is I really try to teach more adults because I don't have children uh, about feelings using the feelings Mm. wheel to to increase their vocabulary with how they're feeling yeah Yeah. and um I think um 
even some clinical psychologists I know, they they are not so. Um, I, I did this in one of my other pod. You know, I think we all need help. Yeah, to absolutely. Check in and status check and listen to our inner leader. I think you say and. Yeah. It's um do you have any um tips in terms of how uh your first step limits is there something that helps like going into a quiet place touching sometimes your heart you can't, or, sometimes you can't go into a quiet place because you're in a situation where you're with another person and you need to set a boundary so I don't want to set people up for failure if they think mm-hmm. that they can't kind of go away and close their eyes, then they can't mm-hmm. do it. Uh, instead, I would say the thing that's always with you that you can always access is your breath. Mm-hmm. And one of the great things about our breath is that if you slow your breathing down a little bit, it reverses the effects of that. So if setting a boundary feels scary and you want to run in the opposite direction or you feel like you're about to shut down or it just feels overwhelming, then that's probably a sign that your fight-flight response or your survival instinct has been activated. And one of the best ways to slow the effects of that and to stop yourself from kind of running away with that quite literally is to just slow your breathing down. And so I would encourage people before they actually have the conversation around their boundaries is to just take 10 slow breaths. Mm-hmm. And um, perhaps, you know, when they're not in the situation, they could be spending some time, perhaps at the end of a week or a month to think about maybe where the boundaries have been crossed so that yeah, they absolutely. could be getting prepared for the next time. Sometimes it it doesn't even need to be that formal, like you don't necessarily need to schedule time to status check. But what I would encourage people to do is to pay attention to your feelings because they're messengers. Your feelings actually give you essential pieces of data. And so if you are feeling frustrated, irritated, maybe the biggest ones are resentful, resentment is a really key emotion or angry it's a sign that your boundaries have very likely been crossed. So maybe use those emotions as data for status checking at that point. So if you are resentful, what are you resentful about? Because I'm betting that it will point an arrow to where the line is that you need to strengthen. And what is your experience about women and anger and um, generalizing here? I think okay so my own example is I think I repressed my anger yeah and uh, I've seen this book about the dance of anger mm-hmm. by I think Harriet Lerner I can't Harriet Lerner yeah yes um so if if we're repressing our anger and we're not aware um because I used to be really like I don't really like passive aggressive people I couldn't yeah. stand them. But then I think mm-hmm. I have parts of that in myself, which if I'm repressing uh, my yeah. anger, I do that as well. And I didn't see that about myself. Um, yeah. So how how do we see this? We, we see that we are, um, you know, being passive aggressive. And um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I think... Once you really start to get connected with the body and the feelings, maybe it gets easier. But I think quite a few people are just stuck in the head. They are cut 
cut off. It can be, but it also can be because we've been raised with no skills having been taught about how to express anger effectively for women. Um, Mm. Men are often culturally um, encouraged to express anger. It's masculine to express anger. It's not ladylike to express anger for women. And so we can end up being shut down by our growing ups in childhood when we were angry, you know, and encouraged to suppress it or repress it. Um, What I would encourage women to do as adults, though, if you're relearning is to understand that anger is just as much an important uh, piece of uh, emotional data as any other emotion. Um, And it's about getting comfortable with the fact that you can be angry and express it in healthy ways Anger is not an unhealthy or toxic emotion. It's also one of the things that drives me insane about social media is thinking that certain emotions are toxic. That's absolute rubbish. Um, There's no emotion that's toxic. Toxic is a social media term. Um, It's not a clinical term. And so I would encourage women to get reacquainted with their anger because I think it's really important for being able to know when your life is heading down a path that crosses your boundaries and anger will tell you that it doesn't mean that you need to scream and yell and throw things because that's really unhealthy anger. I had a parent, my father expressed anger very loudly. And to this day, I don't like people yelling. Um, it, It activates my fight flight response and I can't think clearly, but I also know that I can be angry and I can talk to you just like this in exactly the same tone. I don't need to yell at you to express my anger. And we can still have a conversation about the fact that the anger is present and we can be okay together in that conversation. It can be a safe conversation. So if anger has not been safe for you, especially in your upbringing, then oftentimes just the experience of the emotion anger will feel unsafe. And we have to relearn our relationship with anger to bring it back into our world in a safe way. I think you've given so much, um, so many fabulous insights there um, that, you know, I want to listen to this episode myself again, (laughs) (laughs) share it with my mother, (laughs) the first episode. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, I really appreciate your time and wisdom, sharing stories, examples. And, you know, it's something that I am really working on. Good on you. Thank you for having me. um, Is is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Some of your um, latest projects or anything, um, where to find you? I will add this also into the episode um, notes, but anything else you'd like to share? So... Um, you can find me at rebeccaray.com.au. That's R-A-Y. Um, I'm on all the socials as at Dr. Rebecca Ray, but I spend most of my time on Instagram. And my latest book, Setting Boundaries, is available everywhere in the world in audio format and in ebook format. And it will be out in print very shortly in the UK, actually. I think that it's only a matter of weeks away before it will be in print in the UK. Okay, and um, thank you so much. Yeah, so I recommend you to check out Rebecca's website. She also has programs on there that she offers to help people. I I think intentional business. Um, So I recommend you to check her out on Instagram and the website. So thank you so much. Um, Thank you for having me.
time to sit with us and deepen your understanding of kindness and increasing your wisdom to be kinder to yourself and others. Share with others as an act of intentional kindness and see you again soon. Thank you.